0: Cheers and welcome to Let's Chat Over a Beer, a podcast about homebrewing, gardening, business, sports, and more. If you're striving to be self-sufficient, come hang out and remember, you can always call in using the Anchor.fm app. Okay, what's going on everyone? So today... We're going to talk about, um, well, I wanted to talk about beer, but that'll probably be the next one. Uh, i got a a little bit of research to do before the next topic happens. So today we're going to talk about some um, regenerative agriculture and the beauty of it, what it is, and some of the lies that are being told to us about our food. Before we get into that, let's uh, let's get into what we're drinking. That's a uh, OG patch Blue Ribbon OPBR. Uh, I just I don't have any craft in the house right now that's not aging. I uh, don't have any homebrew at all. All my kegs are dry, and there's nothing fermenting. But hey, we can fix that. We know how. So, but no big deal. But yeah, so, regenerative agriculture, it's sustainable. I don't really like the word sustainable. Uh, It's very, very broad and often misused. But regenerative, regenerative, wow, I've had a few of these PBRs already, so I'm going to stumble on that word, but you know what I'm saying. Regenerative agriculture is when you're not just stripping your land for your agriculture. You're you're giving you're giving the land what it needs back as it produces for you. You know it's symbiotic. I practice that in my personal garden. I'm constantly you know I've got my garden this space right behind it I'm composting my grass clippings leaves leftover food um, that I have because the abundance of the system but it's anything that is compostable goes on a compost pile Uh, my compost is never used this year it's used next year But uh, uh, it's getting a little off topic, not really, but uh, a little beside the point. Um, We're often told, buy local, go to farmer's markets, this and that. And uh, the reality, of the thing is, is that's not always the best practice. I mean, it's better than going to the big box store, getting your ultra-processed foods and all that. Mm. But when you go to the farmer's market, there's a good chance what you... Bought just now those tomatoes you just bought, or the uh, asparagus you just bought. If you're in Missouri, it came from California. If you're in any state, it probably a good chance it came from California. But huge agriculture there. Um, but you had the shipping, and a lot of mismanagement that happens in California. Which there's a lot of people doing really good things with the land in California. But more than not, it's it's not handled well. In the land isn't the farming method. It's short of the Midwest uh, corn industry. Most California farms they, they couldn't do worse than they do. So there's that. So here comes the uh, regenerative regenerative thing. I want to take chickens, for example. Um, where I live, I live in city limits, we're not allowed to have chickens. Um, I'm actually trying to work with my local politicians to change that. But I'll get into that in a minute, but uh, you take a small piece of land and you want to have chickens. Well you could build a little coop, have a couple of egg layers, uh, and that's about it. You're not gonna get any meat birds, and maybe you don't want that, that's fine. Uh, maybe you just want a few eggs a day. Hey if that's it, build you a little coop, go for it. But don't don't build a small coop. Uh, we'll, we're also gonna to get to that. Make your chickens happy but, there are folks out here that really get the poultry game figured out, and they're, they're breeding these super healthy chickens, and they pass that on to you when you eat them. Wow, things like, they'll have a field, a small field, and they'll have chicken tractors, which is basically a small, not a small, it's a, it's a cage these chickens go in and depending on you know one and a half square foot per chickens what they need so you'll have X amount of chickens times X amount of square feet that's the size of this chicken tractor they have what a chicken, chicken tractor is is it's basically a cage on wheels so they have this field and it has a chicken tractor? We're gonna take one row. Let's let's just say that you have enough for ten of these chicken tractors wide. So you'll have one tractor going down the line of the field, and it has however many chickens it can fit in it, health in a healthy way, and they pick the ground. They pick the ground. Uh, they're eating the bugs, you know. Chickens eat grass, they're eating the grass, they're in that first you know inch, less than an inch of ground and the next day you come out, you move them just just the length of the chicken tractor. So the front edge of the chicken tractor moves however many feet where it meets what was the back edge. So you're just kind of moving it a little bit by little bit every day, giving giving those chickens fresh dirt, grass, bugs, etc. And these chickens are happy because they're getting a fresh supply of food every day. But you're also leaving behind the chicken crap, full of nitrogen going into the soil um, the folks that are doing it big time they got pigs coming behind it and they're rooting around in there and that's mixing that nitrogen rich chicken poop into the soil and they're, they're churning it up aerating all that good stuff but it's just a it's just a process the next day you go down the line the next day you go down the line Well, you know what, 12 weeks in, you got chickens ready to harvest for meat. You got, uh, you know, 700 foot, I'm just doing this quick on top of my head, you got a 700 square to 800 square foot chicken tractor, you got like 500-ish birds in there. And you give them a happy life. It was only 12 weeks, but that was better than sitting in a uh, chicken house. Here, where I'm at in Chattanooga, Tennessee, we actually have a chicken processing plant and that goes down to Alabama. Their trucks go down to Alabama. And they pick up these chickens that have lived just ultra-packed in a chicken house. They're miserable. They're these, they've been bred have no beaks, and, you know. You know just, they don't have any claws on their feet, and they're just, they're just not natural. Uh, but in the regenerative method, the chicken tractor method, you had, you know, happy chickens that actually live a longer life. Those chicken house chickens have shorter lives than that. They're pumped full of proteins and antibiotics. Uh, growth hormones are just pumped full of stuff through their feed, They're just heavily modified feed. Whereas in the, the chicken tractor method, that didn't happen. They were all natural. And what's sad is oftentimes they can't even be designated organic. Don't put too much weight into that organic tag. Sure, if it got it, it's probably better than um, the non-organic things. But the reality is with... Organic, you the whole thing was organic. You're supposed to, you know, we didn't use pesticides, herbicides, we didn't use all this stuff, uh, these nasty chemicals. But they are allowed to, as long as they meet certain criteria. If, if it's this one that's on this list, or actually, it works this way if it's not on a certain list, you know, like Roundup and mm-hmm. you know, all this other just nasty stuff, there's things they cannot use. But that doesn't mean they can't use other things. But if you want actually really natural, um, almost, a, I can't, we can't say wild. You know, not, not the way it would have been in the wild because then you're not getting much, enough production to matter. But if you want it as healthy and natural as possible, you've got to go for a regenerative, a regenerative method for your chicken. And I just speak of that. Getting into to the other things about um, sustainable, sorry, said so I didn't like that word, regenerative food, uh, vegetable garden. That's another one. And let's talk about like the chop and drop method of uh, soil building. You know, the minus sunlight and all that that you often don't have a whole lot of control over. The biggest thing you can do. For your garden no even more important than correct sunlight is giving them giving these vegetables healthy healthy soil and you gotta build that in most places and even in places that the soil is good you can put your vegetables on healthy steroids by building that soil up for instance if you're halfway through summer and your tomatoes are starting to die out, they're just not producing anymore, chop those things down and lay that huge vine down on the ground. Um, what I like to do, I'll, I'll take my gas-powered mower and I'll just mow them over. I after I chop them down, of course. I'll chop them down, mow it over. What that does is it just kind of shreds it and lays it down on the ground underneath. And... Minus the tomato fruits themselves that I took out, um, I, I, I removed that tomato from the system. I ate it. So there's some nutrients and things that are gone. But most of the health of that plant, the, the minerals and nutrients and you know the biomatter and all that stuff, they're in the, the plant system. Put it right back into the soil that plant stripped all that good stuff out of the soil i mow it down leave it right on the soil and it you know it naturally just goes back in through the worms eating it and natural decomposition all that good stuff and we'll get to worms that's the whole garden and it in that space i'll plant other things because i know that you know okay we're midsummer; we can get these plants like a broccoli or cabbage started and they're gonna get a good start in the summer when it's hot young plants and then when it cools off they're really gonna boom in those cooler temperatures and guess what that, that same space i got another small crop out of so it's, it's smart it almost crosses the lines into permaculture uh, but permaculture is a little more involved than that but basically I'm giving the soil its resources back and planting another small crop that I can harvest in between and another thing is I'm putting more root structure in there. Um, That second plant I plant, is putting more root structure in the ground, which is the first thing the worms are gonna get to after I I take my broccoli, I chop it off, I leave that stalk in the ground. I don't wanna leave stalks, ever. Um, And if it's too late in the season, I can't fit another crop in there, I cover it with, typically it's cardboard. And I'll put some mulch on there to, hold down the cardboard. Therefore, and then the mulch itself decomposes and adds even more to the soil. So, But that, that's regenerative. I'm using what I can out of the crop to give it back to my soil. Same way those chickens are working you know, the face of the land in the chicken tractor. They're adding their nitrogen back to their through their poop and uh, the chickens are coming behind and working or the pigs are coming behind and working it in. It's regenerative. It's thought out. It's not the uh, macro farming system that most of us are so familiar with that just really depletes the land and to keep the land going you just have to add just nasty chemicals that none of us should be eating. So yeah. But that's, <clears throat> then we get into the, um, the heirloom thing. So we're, we're growing healthy plants. We're, we're building our soil. We're giving it more back than we took. Um, by even with the chop and drop method and, you know, chipping that stuff over and adding more, more organic material. We're composting over here and it comes midwinter. That's what I like to do it. Works for me, um. We take my compost from last year, and we spread it out on the garden. And we're just we're preparing for next year. At this point, we're just spreading it out over the garden, and we're recovering it with cardboard mulch, leaf mulch, which is just shredded up leaves, mm-hmm. leaf mold. is it Not leaf mulch, leaf mold. So we're just spreading that stuff out, and covering it up and it works its way back in the soil especially when the worms get involved and we're, we're, we're building the soil even though we're taking from it every year we're adding more back and it gives us more the next year healthier plants and which are in turn healthier for us and they give more and then you get the heirlooms Where we started this last little segment here. Um, Heirlooms are incredible. They, I want to take a Cherokee purple tomato, for example. I buy seeds, I plant them, they grow beautiful Cherokee purple tomatoes, we all love. And we take the best tomatoes and we let them basically just die out on the vine. So, oh, that one looks great I'm not gonna pick it. Even if it's the one I want to eat the most, I'm not. And we process that as in like with tomato seeds and some others. Not all seeds are this way but you actually gotta ferment them. Like you gotta let them, you gotta let the tomato rot around them. There's some tricks to do it without doing it that way. You pull the seeds out of a tomatoes as long as it's super ripe and you can um, put them in some sugar water and kick up a fermentation and what it does is there's, there's a, skin, a particular skin on the tomato that it ferments that away and it leaves some deposits of nutrients and things from the fermentation process behind that the tomatoes need tomato seeds need to get started for the next season um, but yeah so you you ferment your seeds and you pull them out, you let them dry, and you plant them next season. Well, because you had this great tomato that you pulled from, you're getting the ones with the best genetics, and you plant those. Well, even though they're heirloom, it's going to be a Cherokee. It's going to be a Cherokee purple next year too, as long as it didn't cross breed with another tomato that you had nearby. That that could happen, um, and that's if. You can research that on your own. It's basically, if you get them too close, they to, like, cross pollinate. You get kind of a mixture of the two different tomatoes if it's a different species and cross pollinated with. Anyways, um, you're still going to get a Cherokee purple tomato if there was no cross breeding. But here's the kicker next year's version of that same tomato is more adapted to the environment it was grown in. For instance, my Cherokee Purples from last year, I have their seeds. I plant them. I have no doubt that these are going to be bigger, stronger, healthier plants that give off bigger and tomatoes and they're going to do that more abundantly. All because I built the soil. part uh, And... and um, harvested the, the best tomatoes from the year before and I gave I built the soil I was practicing regenerative regenerative agriculture and let's, let's tie in some brewing here you know big part of my compost and this is where my my browns in the compost come in is my grains from brewing they uh, those things they can eat They can go in the trash. You can feed them to chickens. Like I said, I can't have chickens here, so I don't do that. And compost them. I compost them. Um, You you have to mix or mix them with a nitrogen-rich organic matter, or they will go rancid quickly. We're talking about like within two days. I mean, actually, one day in the dead of summer. You go out there, you, you dump a pile of spent beer grains out. You go out there the next day, and you know early August here, and it's terrible smelling. There's just flies all around, and they're just it, it went bad. It's it's rancid at this point. But I can take that same bit of grains, dump it out, immediately take some grass clippings. Um, often I I don't have to mow the same day just off the top of the compost pile. I, just, I don't even mix my grass clippings in if I know I'm brewing, because I'll just go grab them, these grass clippings, right off the compost pile, throw them onto the um, grains, and mix it together, and all that nitrogen, mix them with the, the browns, the, uh, the the spent grain. you it'll, it'll go crazy. And, it, it gets so hot, it's ridiculous. It's because all the activity going on inside, and it'll break down and give you just super, super rich dirt or compost. It, it's just that's adding to the soil. <clears throat> good stuff. Good stuff. So, if you can't tell, I'm. I, when I talk about this stuff, I, I think about it too much, even while I'm saying it, and I get excited about it. I love gardening, and especially I love soil building—the biology behind it, and just, just the science behind it. I love building soil. So I've—I mentioned this previously. I was working on a on a company building it, and what we're launching is a company called the Angry Seed Company. The Angry Seed Company is going to focus on heirloom vegetable seeds. Uh, We're working with some seed farms for the bulk of our supply. So I just don't have the land to do it ourselves, and that's actually the way most seed companies work. They don't. I don't know of any out there other than some really, really small operations, which we will be doing, that go all their own seeds. Most of them are, they're, they're contracted. They're, they buy their seeds from a farm. Uh, sometimes it's they'll send them seeds and say, grow all these seeds for me, and uh, or grow all these vegetables, or whatever it is for me. Harvest seeds and send those seeds back. That happens. It's not super common. Most of the time, it's a seed company like we are will track down seed suppliers or seed farms that they are happy with and they they buy seeds from them. And that's what we're going to do for the most part. I'm also gonna have um, I haven't branded the this part yet but it's you know my seeds. you can buy actually my seeds from me uh, and the, those will be most useful to the folks in zone 7b gardening zone 7b like where I am and you know it, you can get any of the sevens um, the lower sixes upper eights uh, my seeds will work just fine for them and get better with a couple generations but yeah that's it We're, we're launching this thing it'll be ready by the end of March of this year so people will be able to get their seeds from us and a whole other side of the gardening thing is a preparedness. We live in weird times now with the whole coronavirus and you know I'm in Tennessee we just had the Nashville bombing on Christmas morning and it's it shut down communications. Luckily they got that they got you know the AT&T network a huge network there's a lot a lot of people on that. It didn't go the shutdown wasn't so long from the bombing that people were really getting panicked but just in two days, you could see people getting really, really uneasy. They were they were just starting to panic, and hopefully, and I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime, or else I don't predict it to happen. And hopefully, I'm I'm correct about that. Or this, I don't care this. I don't think we're going to see a scenario where we're gonna have to... Oh, that was my phone vibrating, I'm sorry. Um, I don't think we're gonna see a scenario where we're like in survival mode. But what if we are? We need to know how to garden. We need good heirlooms so we can keep the supply steady year in and year out, have healthy plants. And if you're a meat eater or everybody needs protein. Maybe, you know, for the gardening side, if you, you know, beans would be a great protein if you're not a meat eater, but if you are and you need that protein from meat, look up chicken tractors and poultry farming in that method. Um, I would... I'd implore you to look up Joel Salatin and um, Justin Rhodes. Rhodes with an H. Look at those guys. Listen... Listen to what they have to say about um, poultry farming in a natural way, in a regenerative way. And ultimately, just for the preparedness thing in general, look up Jack Spierko's The Survival Podcast. He's not a tin hatter. He, he, he thinks much like I do on a lot of these things. That's why I, I really like his podcast. I listen to it often. Look, look up Jack Spirico. He, he do not tend hat. It's just common sense advice. That's what he is. And, you know, he's been going for like over 10 years now on my podcast. There's only so much you can talk about without getting too repetitive. So he also gives great business advice. And, if I, I like I said, I've been listening to this guy for a long time. And his advice is really good, and it, it, his, history proves it. Dude, he was telling us back in like 2014, 2015, getting Bitcoin. Which, I'm not a huge crypto guy, but I'm looking at when I could buy Bitcoin for next to nothing, and now I'm looking at like what it's worth now, and it's like, wow, should've listened to Jack. I didn't. Um, just different ways to save money different ways of gardening. Jack, Jack hit on all the stuff, and you know, with experience and time, you're like, okay, this guy gets it. So, yeah, look at Jack Spearco in the Survival Podcast. And with with the, His gardening info is incredible. So, yeah, listen to that guy. And Joel Selton, he's like the OG of regenerative farming. And how to make a business out of it. And he also likes good craft beer. He's got videos about that, too. So that's awesome. Yeah, so we're going to close this thing out. I just wanted to talk about the regenerative farming and, you know, food production and things a little bit. Uh, so had a few beers. I hope I didn't babble on too much. And But this will be a topic we touch on in more detail and different things quite often. So, you know, stay tuned. Yeah, thanks for listening.